Welcome to Lockbox, a podcast providing real estate professionals with action items for success. My name is Jeffrey Broger, and I'm going to be your host. I'm the founder of two real estate marketing and tech companies, Steezy.Digital and Realnurture.io. In this podcast, you'll learn from top 1% real estate and mortgage brokers the exact secrets to their success. Welcome to Lockbox. Welcome to the Lockbox podcast. My name is Jeffrey Broger, founder of Steezy Digital, RealNurture.io, and uh, with us today is Mr. Gary Massa. Thank you, Jeff. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So Gary is a top 1% real estate broker in San Diego. Gary and I met through the San Diego Real Producer community. Shout out Jesse Wright. Thanks for getting us in touch. And Gary has, yeah. And Gary's been a client for a couple months now. So I'm happy to have you on the podcast. Thanks for being here. And why don't you tell our listeners who you are and where you're from? Gary Massa, originally from San Francisco Bay Area, little town called Sonoma Valley. Currently, I live in Lucadia, which is in you know a little community of Encinitas right here in North County, San Diego. Yep, love Lucadia, love Cardiff. My background: I grew up in North County, San Diego, between Cardiff and Vista. So I went to school in, in Vista, went to high school and stuff. But uh, my mom lived in Cardiff. I got that exposure to the beach. Yeah. And there's no looking back after that. I mean, no, you know, I was on <laughs> yeah, I, I was on the surf, surf team in high school. And that was actually a big influence on why I named my agency Steezy Digital. Steezy is a surf skate term that right. means style with ease. And That's so, right. yeah, that, you know, I big influences from Cardiff and Lucadia. I love that area. <laughs> I love um, it. Yeah, man. I, I keep moving south and west and south and west <laughs> from where we started. And uh, warmer clients and farther to the beach. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So what got you into real estate? Man, uh, I mean, great story. Really, it kind of goes back like way far back when I was like nine years old. My father owned a concrete construction company and I basically worked from him digging ditches starting at nine. But I watched my dad and my family basically and I had a part in building homes and I just loved seeing our work like, oh, we worked on that house and we worked on that house, just the tangible product, you know? So fast forward, you know, a bunch of years to like the late nineties when I was in college, there was a real estate boom then, and they were recruiting kids out of college to try to start real estate careers. So I had like a quick introduction to it, but yet realized there's no way I could go on full commission and not pay my bills possibly for six months. I mean, I was, you know, in school, living on my own, my own pay, my, my own food and everything else. So wasn't really a possibility then, but uh, I did a career move change in like 2006 and moved down to San Diego. And in that period of time, I basically decided to move to where I've always wanted to be, which was real estate. And I started in the lending world, but within two years had moved into real estate. And one of the most, you know, arguably challenging times in real estate, 2006 and 2007, but uh, mm you know, we've made it through and here we are today. So awesome story. And it's actually somewhat similar to mine with your first exposure to real estate when you're in college. I had that same thing. Read Rich Dad, Poor Dad in high school, actually was dating a girl my freshman year of college who was a Coldwell broker in my college town. And he was like, you have to stay for a summer and sell real estate and get your license. Long story short, her and I split up right before summer. So I wasn't going to go work for her dad, right? Uh, I ended up going home to California and selling Cutco that summer. And so that that was like the split, right? That was like, boom, the the choice. But real estate was always there. 
And, you know, after I had finished my career with sales and sales management at Cutco, I got into marketing. I circled back on real estate. I was like, all right, I have an investment property. I want to get more into the real estate space. I would love to help top brokers with all the digital stuff, right? Because a lot of top brokers out there are great in person and they're great on the phone, but they need help with the digital and specifically with like lead generation and recruiting and, you know, ads. So, you know, that was the the genesis of like circling back. And that's interesting that we both had that like glimpse at real estate right. and then we knew it was going to bring us back later yeah, and, and we were going to end up well, there. I mean, the other funny kind of twist in the story is that when I decided not to pursue real estate in that like very young, like 20 year old age, you know, maybe it was 19 at the time, I actually did start uh, working for a company selling Kirby vacuums in the same town where I was living at, going to school at. And so we were basically door knocking all over Sonoma County, you know, selling Kirby vacuums, which is I mean, kind of, you know, kind of a similar approach, right? To or similar yeah. sort of, you know, theory or or business theory, I guess. Well, it's like a listing presentation. You show yeah. up, you do it across the kitchen counter, right? Or yeah. Like at the kitchen table and, and you're like in the house and having that level of comfort doing that. I've carried that over from Cutco. And when I went field training in real estate with some of my top broker clients, it was interesting because I was like, wow, this feels like a Cutco demo in the, yeah. in the home, across from the kitchen, whatever, but except you're pitching yourself and your brokerage and trying to get the listing, right? Yeah. So it, it was interesting. Do you see some, you know, great sales training, you know? For yeah, sure. exactly. I was going to say Kirby, probably had some great sales training, Cutco did. That's awesome. And yeah. sales training I've experienced, it comes back to consistency of a few actions, really just focusing on a few very important things that really drive the needle and produce income. For me at Cutco, it was phone calls. I right. knew that if I made 10 phone calls, then I would set one appointment. And for every, you know, I would have about a 90% show on appointments and then a 60 to 80% closing ratio. So now I could figure out my income based on the amount of phone calls I make. It's an right. action that I can control and it's a front end leading indicator. It's not your commission check on the back end, right? right? And so that's kind of the concept of this entire podcast is I want to boil down the secrets to real estate success to a few simple actions. So for you, you know, what's the single most important action that you take on a daily basis that has attributed most to your success? Yeah. I mean, great question and great points leading up to it because I mean, even kind of before answering the question, we'll go back to, you know, the one thing that my team and I right now are focused on. And again, yes, we always have the goals of how much volume we're going to do, how much, income, you know, our gross commission income. I mean, there's all the lagging indicators, right? Which is what we want. But what my coaches helped me understand over time is, you know, like you can put up all the numbers on the wall that you want, but unless you build the bridge to get there, and it's really all math, like you said, marketing is math and sales is math in terms of law of numbers, right? And not that we want to treat our clients like numbers, but the point right. being is that if you don't, you know, do the activities on a day in, day out basis consistently and put those numbers in, and, and really real estate's about talking to people, right? In sales in general is about talking to people. And where you're talking about phone calls, yes, like between our team, we've been talking about phone calls and contacts for the last couple of years. And so what we right now are talking about mainly and you know, following is our tracking our appointments, right? Because mm. I mean, you can make phone calls all day long, right? But if you're not setting appointments and people are like, I've talked to 10 people, I've talked to 20 people, yeah. That's awesome, right? And maybe those were all really great conversations and it's a not right now. Real estate is not like a spur of the moment decision. It yes. is a, you know, a three, six, nine month decision-making process. And even when somebody's ready to go, 
realistically, they made up that decision about three to six months ago, right? That yes. they were and they started getting warm. So sometimes the random phone call to somebody who, you know, already knows, loves and trusts you, they're like maybe thinking about it, but it's not like a right away appointment. So it's okay that you can make all those phone calls, but the active ingredient in the equation here is appointments, right? And so mm. if you can't set the appointments, and be going on X amount of appointments, you know, a month, then those appointments are turning into actual transactions and, or, you know, sacking the pipeline later on down the road. So, you know, Darren Hardy, a coach of mine right now, going through a great program of his, he gave us this analogy. And I don't know if you've seen this before, but but basically about pumping the well, right? And so what he says is like, you step up to a well that has, the well is not flowing. You've got to pump and pump and pump really, really, really hard, right? So until the water finally gets to the top and it's going into the bucket or whatever you're filling, and then you can like slow down, you know, and just keep consistently pumping and, you know, the water was still flowing. But the minute you take your hand off of that lever, everything stops and you got to start all over again. So it's the most perfect analogy that I've found, you know, in terms of our conversation here about lead generation, about appointments and and contacts and doing the day-to-day activities is that as real estate agents, we call and call and call for like a month or two. And we're like, oh, we need more transactions or getting all of a sudden it builds. And on month three, we've got all this business that we just can't really get to, right? Like we want to nurse and babysit the transaction. Like, of course we want to be with our clients, but we take our hand off the pump because we're too busy in the transaction and doing yep. all the day-to-day paperwork and all the craziness that goes along with it. And that's and we, the entrepreneurial roller coaster Darren talks about. Exactly. And that's the and that's the issue that causes, like you said, the roller coaster, and then you got to pump and pump and pump again. So to your point, it's the consistent calls, but really yep. we're focused on appointments. Yeah. A hundred percent. I really agree with you. And I appreciate you saying that. It reminded me that I actually have this ultimate real estate goal setting Google sheet. It's a smart sheet that I created years ago and I need to send it to you being one of my clients. I usually use it as a lead magnet to attract agents, but it breaks down your overall annual big, hairy, audacious goal, right? Your big number of whatever it is, 80 million this year, hundred million this year. It breaks it down to, you can then decide whether you're going to break it down to phone calls, appointments, open houses, whatever your KPI is, you actually choose a little drop down and then you adjust your percentages of, you know, appointments to conversions and this and that. And it breaks it down to, okay, you need this many appointments this quarter and this week and this month. And uh, it's super useful. So I'll send that over to you. Dude, maybe, I, maybe I can't wait to see it. Yeah, please do. That sounds like an awesome tool. Yeah. And for the, the listeners as well, I'm actually, it just kind of hit me right as Gary was talking about that. And he said the word appointment. Uh, I'll be including that as a little free token at the end. So I'll have the links for that as well, but um, really useful tool. So I'm curious, Gary, what percentage of your business is referral as opposed to new business? And then do you have systems in place that help you generate more referrals over time? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, realistically, dating back, you know, 10, 12 years as we've been tracking the, um, you know, consistently, it's been like my referral business been between 70 and 80% of our total annual volume. My goal, not that I don't love a referral, right? And because those are really the best clients, you know, in, in terms of ease of the transaction, you know, and the longevity of it. But again, we all would love to get referral calls all day long. However, like, you know, that referral basis, you know, as I've learned through my coach is supposed to grow like by 25% per year, meaning like you can add 25% more transactions from your 
sphere or your past client base and through referrals and repeats, et cetera, right? Just adding 25% more transactions. Well, I kind of want to add like 50% transactions and a hundred percent at times. So where that's come from is new business, right? And so, you know, really one of our bigger lead generation sources have uh, for new business have been uh, like open houses. Now, realistically, as what you and I are working on digital, you know, digital marketing and, and really yep. being in the online space to attract and meet new clients where they're all starting their searches, right? And those sort of methods for new business. But for referrals, because I want to, to hold on to or retain a higher percentage of those, yes, I mean, we're, we're reminding our clients at different stages of the transaction, you know, how's the service going? Do you have anybody else that you're working? You know, you always got to ask the question or remind them that we work on and by referral. So if everything's working, mm. please refer a friend, but in a, you know, in a tactful, elegant way, like we don't want to be hounding them in the middle of their experience for new business. You know what I mean? So yeah. there's got to be the right way to do it. But the other way about that is just the, the ongoing long-term service and touch, you know, for our clients mm. uh, throughout the year. Uh, just checking in, saying hi, I mean, not overly bugging them, you know, uh, can I have a referral? Can I have a referral? Whatever the case, but being able to send them items of value, helping them keep in touch with the values of their home and how things are moving up. Enough, I have a, a high percentage of clients or, or a decent amount of client or percentage of clients that are reselling in two years, one year, two years. Not that they just didn't love the house. It's just something's changed or they decided they wanted a West facing yard as opposed to a East facing or whatever the case. And so, or clients buying multiple homes. And that's been awesome. You know, like that to me is one of the the highest compliments that I can receive is working with people over and over and over again, their family, their, you know, their parents, their kids, their, I mean, whatever the case, I mean, that to me is what this business is all about in my own opinion. Yeah, absolutely. And with that being said, would your primary system in place be the high quality service? Do you have any other systems in place that really, I mean, if you can count on it like clockwork and it helps to, you know, increase the amount of referrals you're getting. I'm just curious for other agents that might be able to implement some systems that would help them. Yeah. And again, it's really, I would say the systems are through the high quality service, right? And so that service is systemized out. We have a backend system I don't know if I should say the name of it because I'm not entirely impressed with it in the first place. And in fact, it like is one of our biggest pain points. But the reason why we got this system in the first place was because of the transaction management system that it has. And it has like text and email reminders in it, which is taking off like, you know, some of the smaller, like necessary things that have to happen, but yet like they're so small, you tend to forget like sure. reminding, Hey, by the way, Mr. And Mrs. Seller today is our home inspection. Remember to get the house ready and, and be gone by the time we get there. Or, you know what I mean? Or reminding, Hey, your deposit is due today, or this is happening today or a quick video. Like I have videos structured throughout the process. It's like, Hey, you know, congratulations. Your offer has just got accepted. Here's the things that you're going to be looking forward to in the next 17 days. Congratulations. You've removed your contingencies. Here's what this means. Here's the next steps because people tend to get in a state of fear when they don't know what's coming next or they don't know what to expect. And so the constant communication helps relieve that fear and lets them know that you have a handle on it. You know what's going on. They don't have to, you know, ride your ass or, you know, or, or just be too involved in the, not involved. This is the wrong thing to say, but they don't have to be too on top of you. And they just have confidence that you've got it handled because they keep getting these little quick reminders and they keep getting, you know, these videos helping to explain to them. So they know it's progressing and they just feel like, okay, you've got it taken care of. 
So that system through the transaction process really has helped develop a lot more referrals for us because people get the, you know, the high quality white glove service that they've never experienced anywhere else. They knew the system. And so when somebody asked, they're like, you know what? Real estate isn't all that easy. I've had it a couple, you know, a couple of different experiences. And this one went so smooth because of XYZ. It gives them a story, you know, to tell. Absolutely. And, and so then you've also earned later on the right to say, hey, did everything work out for you? Great. Well, if it did, I mean, look, nothing's perfect and it's not going to be perfect every single time. Right. But again, when right. you have these systems in place and something does go wrong, you know how to go back and fix it. And B, at least the client still believes in you that you weren't just like checked out or whatever the case, and you can resolve those issues. But for the most part, you know, you get 80, 90% that go exactly as you planned it. Gosh, that is such an important point. I know that a lot of agents out there wouldn't even consider structuring that level of a system for the minutiae, for the basic follow-ups, the little things, the touch points here and there, shooting a custom video that's from you that walks people through what to look for after they've accepted an offer. That's so key. And once again, I think that that's something that's unique to your brokerage that not a lot of other brokerages do. One of the things that I hear a lot from clients who end up going with one of my clients and I try and get feedback of like, Hey, why'd you switch? Or, you know, after your listing expired and you went with us, like, what was that for? What was your reasoning of not re-signing with that other agent? They said, well, they stuck a sign in my yard and then disappeared. Yeah. They had lack of communication. And one of my early mentors, when I was back in my Cutco days, he said, lack of communication is the number one reason why a relationship fails, whether it's in business or in life. That's right. So that high level of communication, it makes people feel comfortable, makes people feel that level of trust for you grow over the listing agreement time period and even the buyer journey as well. And with that as well, it's so key, the communication, all the systems that you had in place for so many reasons. But I think the number one reason why it's so important, imagine a husband and a wife that just signed with you. They had five other agents that were vetting them, right? Right. And then the wife asks the husband one week in, hey, what's going on? When the husband has the answer, because he just got that text from you that day and he's quickly able to alleviate the wife's anxiety in that yeah. moment, right in that moment without saying, oh, I don't know, I'll call Gary tomorrow. That's night and day difference. When he can yeah. just instantly say, oh yeah, he texted me earlier, this is what's going on. Cool, they move on with dinner. Like they just move on with their life, yeah. right? That thought came up, it's handled but that's be because you offered preemptive service. It wasn't like you had to react, which that's awesome. I really, uh, I, I love that about your brokerage. Well, thank you. And it does two things. Like you said, anxiety, I think was the word that I was looking for because, yeah. you know, this is a very stressful trend, you know, process in time in people's lives. And it's really, it creates anxiety and not knowing so exactly. So people already know they can answer the question and move on with their life. But the second thing is, is about an agent is allows you to scale in a way. These are all small things that are very important and easily overlooked. But if you do look at them and value them as an agent, and you're trying to do it all on your own every single time, you're going to literally be so inundated. Or if you don't do it, you're going to be inundated by phone calls after phone calls after phone calls saying the same thing over and over and over again. You know what I mean? Right. Yet it's taking time away from you developing new business or spending that quality time with your clients doing quality stuff, right? Like they don't really need to know that the appraisal has been ordered. What they need to know is what their next steps are and strategy and like the higher level stuff, you know? Yes. And so that's what kind of helps end up setting yourself apart and gaining more time for yourself and brain sanity. <laughs>
Yes, yeah. absolutely. And that's why I'm so big on automation and, and helping brokerages use that level of automation, follow up, you know, sophisticated automation, not the type that's annoying and just keep sending after someone's not even interested or they're at the wrong deal stage. No, I'm talking about sophisticated automation. That way it's not to talk to your clients less, it's so that you can yeah. actually talk to them more, that's right? Because <laughs> right? that's the whole point. That's when you're most valuable is when you're having a conversation with a client. Well, so, I think just to touch on that one point about ahead. automation and you're right, automation and technology has really come into our space to, you know, there's some great tools out there that help us as agents deliver service to a higher level and make our lives easier. However, I have, you know, seen and even experienced myself and made the mistake myself, right? That mm. we, get, we stick on automation and we feel like, hey, it's handled. So then we kind of right. like, check. it's easy to allow ourselves to check out and not, you know, have that that real one-on-one communication and whatever the case and the automation is screwing up in the background or they really don't get enough of you. That's, yep. that was a big mistake that I made. And I feel like a lot of other agents make is they just set it on automation or whatever the case, but yet that's not the point of automation. The automation is to help, you know, in not entice, but help keep you as an agent, like up to speed also. So you're doing the things that you need to do and also taking care of some of the little stuff that you don't need to do. Right. There's definitely human, part of the transaction that needs to be there. And that's a great segue to my next question. Tesla reinvented the car buying experience by having a consumer put down a deposit online with a credit card. They assemble the car over the next couple of weeks and then they set a pickup date where you show up, you sign 30 minutes of paperwork, if that, and you drive off. No more four hours at the dealership, buying a newer used car, they're trying to get approved for a loan on the spot, none of that, right? So with housing, and all of the tech companies entering the space, trying to take away market share from real estate agents. Where do you think the industry is heading five, 10 years? Because I tend to agree with you that the real estate agent is still essential. And that's one of the core values and purposes why my company is here on the side of the agent as this war between eye buyers is being waged. But what's your take? What's your projection? And you know, what are you doing right now to set you up for future success? Yeah. Great question, man. And uh, I know that there's a lot of opinions on this all the way around. And one thing's for sure is that our business is definitely, you know, the business or industry of real estate and being real estate agent is definitely changing and it's going to a totally different place of what we're used to today. And because of technology and automation, right? But let me just explain really one thing that I realized when I first freaked out about it. And I was like, Oh my God, there's the iBuyer. There's the, there's the Zillow. There's the, you know, other discount brokerage companies that I won't name that are coming into the space and disrupting the space and creating this processing line or yeah, like assembly line of a transaction that's putting us out of work. So at first I freaked out. Then I thought about it a little bit more and, and again, started to adjust and pivot in different ways. But the example that I thought about at the time and experience that I had with a particular loan company, that's literally like a processing line, right? And people call up, they talk to one person, they get all the information. Then all of a sudden, boom, they're like off to the next person, right? And, uh, or the next line in the wheel. Then you talk to the next person and, and it just keeps on going on down the line. But what I found was like the timeframes were a lot longer. The experience of the client for the most part was like, man, by the time we got halfway through the process, the initial things that were important to me that I told to the person at the very beginning, nobody even remembered or knew. And all of a sudden it was just a number on a wheel, you know, and like, mm. so they didn't get the personalized experience and the things that were important to them in the whole process weren't honored. Right. It was just trying to get the loan. So, you know, re change that back to the, you know, some of the 
real estate systems that are out there today. And I'm not saying it's a bad model, you know, not knocking it. It's a model and it's mm-hmm. right for some people and it's not, you know, right for other people, right? In some ends of our business. But what I've also heard from agents that have worked for companies like that and clients have gone through the experience like, hey, we made the mistake. We thought we would save some money and go here in this direction. But the first agent that was just opening the door for me, I told them what was important to me and all they were doing was opening the door. I couldn't ask them, what about the comps? What about this? Like they just really weren't that either experienced or connected into the market or just even what I wanted or what I needed. And like, I was kind of all on the island by myself and they were opening the door. Then I wanted to write a, uh, write up an offer. Then it went to somebody else. Then when it got accepted, then it went to somebody else. And then there was somebody. And by the time we got to the end into the loan, certain things that I had negotiated or talked about or whatever the case, they weren't there and nobody knew what to do going backwards. And so it just, everything blew up or they just had a really bad experience because there wasn't a center focal person you know, managing their needs, right? This is about a buyer or a seller, not the sale, right? This is normally people's families, their lively homes, their investments. And so really, I mean, look, the transaction for like a, you know, an average three bed, two bath, 1500 square feet, brand new home in a community that was just built, that type of transaction may be a little easier to go through, right? And maybe there are people that have been through it multiple times and they just know what they want. They've been through it. They can manage it themselves. That's a very small population, I think, of our, you know, of our clientele base. Most people aren't really as, you know, I'm not saying that they're not savvy. It's just that they don't go through the process all the time, maybe once every two, five, seven years. And as you know, with technology, our industry and the process is changing like constantly. So what worked two years ago doesn't work today. And so a lot of these, you know, buyers experiencing that they can't get their offers accepted. Agents don't know how the market is really working and they don't know, they're not in touch enough to be able to help coach them through to even get their offer accepted in the first place and then have the experience and the systems to be able to identify what's coming up, what problems you know are going to arise and, and address them and, and fix them before they actually occur. Or if you get into a situation where, you know, something's blowing up and like legal matters are arising, like how do you get through that? How do you negotiate something where somebody's not upholding the contract? There's so many different aspects that can go wrong in a transaction. And my goal is to shield the client from all of that. So at the end, they're like, wow, that was super easy. I'm like, well, what you didn't know was, <laughs> you know, X, Y, Z, P. we were up multiple nights. I mean, and it happens, man. It's real estate is not an easy, you know, an easy thing. And some people just anticipate that it is because they only see the easy part of it on TV and that's where they go out. So long-winded answer to your question, but you know, I think that automation and some of the Tesla buying experience that you just mentioned will be appropriate in some situations, but where I don't see that actually happening or being the right scenario for most, I would say 60 to 70% of the buyer pool, and then getting into the, the luxury or multi-million dollar segment, that requires a special amount of marketing. That requires yep. a special knowledge of the market finances and a lot of different things that you just can't automate, you know? And so that's where I feel like the market is really heading, that there's going to be kind of a division in services that will still be available. They'll probably get more uh, efficient in a lot of different ways. And yes, it will shed off some of our realtor population 
of people who really might not be able to pivot, have the will or have the energy to, to do so or the skill set to do so, which will create like the demand for a really a higher skilled, higher, uh, what's the word for it? Like somebody who cares more, you know, about the client and about their situation is there as a long-term career, as opposed to just kind of dabbling here and there, you know what I mean? And yep. so that will be the division and people will understand the value of full service versus like a discounted or a quick service. Right. And yeah, um, I agree. And the way that I think about it is most of the transactions that will be taken up by this new person or iBuyer that's entering the space, they might take up five to 10% of the transaction volume, I think at their maximum market cap, they have ambitions to take over, you know, hundred percent of course, but they're only at about 2% right now of the actual, you know, annual transactions and about 10% of transactions every year are new construction, new build. So I relate it more to if you buy a brand new Tesla online with a credit card, you can automate a lot of that, right? Yeah. No previous issues, da, 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 da. So maybe they'll fit into a category where they're helping with new builds and they're helping with certain aspects of real estate. But like you said, luxury listings and resale homes, which is, you know, resale homes are 90% of the homes on the market today where you're buying it from Jim and Sue who have lived in it since 1981 and it was previously had an owner before that from 1975 and whatever, those types of homes, they come with, as you mentioned, a laundry list of problems that could come up. You know, they walk in, I heard it put this way in a clubhouse room the other day. The buyer walks in and they're looking at, ooh, look at the new appliances and the fresh paint. And you're, you're walking in seeing the little crack in the corner that could mean that they have a cracked foundation or, yeah. you know, some leakage down on the, when you're taking the exterior walk and you're like, ooh, that might have water under there. And you're looking at all of the things that are in the best interest of the buyer that they don't even think about, right? Yeah. And so for an iBuyer to enter the space, and be judge, jury, and executioner, the person who not only values the home, but writes the contracts that the person has to sign, offers them the loan, does all these things, and has full autonomy to do whatever they want with any step. Meanwhile, the buyer walking through it is just doing click, 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 not reading anything. That is a recipe for disaster. And like you said, this is such an important transaction. It's the most important transaction most people will ever make. And once again, just reiterating the fact that like, this is why I believe real estate agents are still essential and will be for a very, very long time. I agree. But so real quick, backing up to, you know, what is an iBuyer? That's a term that I think a lot of people are buzzed about and some of her causes some fear, but realistically, like, you know, the iBuyer is really looking for the most part to buy direct from the consumer and they're going to be buying direct from the seller and turning around and selling it to the consumer. So they have to buy a property at below market value, you know, below margins to be able to make anything on that property, turn around and sell it. Most of them, yep. you know, or a good portion are rehabbing, remodeling. So they're going to have to be buying from, you know, way under market, right? Like I have plenty of investors that we could be iBuyers too, right? But for the most part, people want top dollar on their properties. Well, how do you get yep. top dollar? Am I going to go online and just wait for the best offer for, and nobody has marketed my home. No one's talked about the great points. Most sellers, you know, I bring up a couple of different options. We have clients right now that will come in, buy the home, all cash. It, pro it won't be top of market, 
but yet there's going to be some margin, but you can walk away in seven days, cash in your hand, easiest transaction ever, right? And in some situations that's appropriate. The sellers are totally in. It makes sense for them all day long. But again, right. when they're going to these companies online, who's looking out for their best interest? Who's, like you said, who's reading the contract? Who's yeah. telling them the ins and outs and the little things that might be in there that they didn't really understand or, you know, and later on won't appreciate. So that's the reason why, just like I always say, when you're in a divorce, do you want to use the same attorney for, you know, that your spouse is using? No, most people want their own representation every single time. So not that they can screw each other, but they can get a fair shake and they're protected, right? Because yep. you never know who, you know, you need somebody looking out for your best interest all the time on a long-term basis, you know, and that's why when we're trying to create long-term lifetime clients, that's why we work so hard to protect our clients. Boom. Nailed it. And you know, you dropped a lot of things in this podcast already about the unique value propositions that you offer to clients. So yeah, there's no question why you're top 1% broker. And you uh, you know, it's an honor to have you as a client. One question I have that I want to make sure to ask, it's regarding lead generation. So you mentioned that obviously we're doing some lead generation things together outside of referrals. And I surveyed thousands of realtors through LinkedIn, I was sending out surveys and getting their feedback on primarily the reason why they weren't closing more transactions. That was the big question. And on that question, I offered up options like, you know, don't have a consistent flow of qualified leads, need better follow-up and lead nurture systems. You know, I mentioned, you know, like five, 10 different options. By far, the most popular choice for realtors was I don't have a consistent flow of qualified leads. That's why they don't have more transactions coming in. Now, whether you agree with that or not, that's their fear. So that's what they're searching online. That's what they're looking for. That's what they want answers to. So my question to you is, what has been the most profitable lead generation source outside of referrals? Yeah. I mean, great question. And I would agree with that just like off the top of the cuff is that, you know, we always need a consistent flow of qualified prospects. And that's the hardest thing is to be out and about in either calling, networking, blah, 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 right? That is really the primary focus, the first stages of our business to any success, right? So the highest ROI or the highest profitable source that I've had, and a lot of people like, never believe this when I tell them this, but realistically, it's been advertising in the Dream Homes magazine, right? I've been advertising Dream Homes in Premier Magazine. And I think each one of them have brought me, you know, a similar result. Now, this is not the lead source that where you're putting out, you know, an ad online and you've got like a bunch of people calling through and whatever the case. I mean, it's not cheap, right? It's paper, which is kind of getting obsolete in, in a way, but people still read the magazine. People still look at it in different places where it's placed. But what's happened for me was the advertising of unique properties in there has brought back very unique buyers. And the leads that I've gotten from here, and I, I don't like to call them leads really, but the people that I've met through the magazine that have called me on these unique properties, and I've been able to thankfully now call them clients, have transacted multiple times with multi-million dollar properties. And I can say that at least three of them that I've met through have transacted over $10 million worth of, uh, of real estate each over the last five, you know, handful of years. And they're, each one of them were amazing people with amazing stories. And they were just really 
you know, really great people to work with. Right. And again, I continue to, to work with them throughout their life. So again, that to me has been the highest producing in terms of profitability or ROI. And I continue to advertise in the magazine. And even so, I just started a new page in Dream Homes to present our properties down in Mexico, uh, the team's properties down in Cabo San Lucas. And that's now starting to catch on. And because it's different and unique from what everybody's seeing anyways, we're getting phone calls on it. And if anything, it's generating just a lot of good conversations. But I'm hoping to turn that around really and having the online space be more of my higher profitability, just because I know how much opportunity that there is and how much efficiency in terms of cost per lead and expense and results, and that we can quantify it and analyze it. Because me, I'm, right. kind of a, I'm kind of a geek like that. I, I love analytics and just seeing that something actually works. And it's really hard to measure the value of the magazine, but yet still to this day, that's been the highest profitable source. Awesome. Well, that's really good, unexpected answer. And, <laughs> and ever, also, like, really? <laughs> yeah, now that's a goal for me to surpass with the things that we're doing on digital, right? To be able to track more volume than that, which we've had so much success with other agents in other cities that I have no yeah. doubt that we'll get there. Oh, so, dude, we're we're going to get there. I got big, uh, big goals for you, buddy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So what I want to ask is, you know, not everybody is at your level, right? So if there's an agent who's maybe doing 10 million a year, maybe a, a team leader starting to just grow, doing a good amount of volume, but wants to get to 20, 40, you know, do, do more. What would be a recommendation that you would give to them? And then also what advice should they ignore? Yeah, man, those are two really, really good questions. You know, the thing is about, I mean, I remember back when I was at a level doing 12 transactions a year and I was trying to get to 20 or more. And it was like two or right. three years in a row that I was literally at 12. It just kind of happened that way. Yeah. And the thing that changed for me that last year was my coach had been beating me up for like two years and saying, man, you need an assistant. You need somebody to help take you know, the stuff that, I mean, look, I'm not good at paperwork. And I mean, although I'm super organized, I'm not that organized, right? And it's in my own way. And so it was really about hiring somebody to help take the burden off of me, uh, like, you know, of the activities that weren't really the highest and best use of my time that I wasn't really even good at anyways, right? So it was taking mm. me longer. And so if I could focus more on my lead generation and focus more on my current clients and developing yep. referrals and developing a better experience, my business that year, that next year went from 12 to 22, I think if numbers might be slightly off, but I mean, I think I'm pretty certain we broke 20 that next year. And then I've stayed and at 2022. 20, with one assistant, right? With, with one assistant. Yes. And if, do you mind if I get more granular on that so that we can set expectations for the listeners? Yeah. Okay. So is that like 40 hour a week, 20 hours, there are $20 an hour, like $3,200 monthly expense. Like what's the overall kind of loose structure you can estimate, but yeah. you know, I'm looking at like, how much did you need to spend to get that assistant? How much, how many hours are they offsetting? And then obviously you were able to double your business the next year. So no matter what it costs, it was worth it. No, it was definitely but, worth it. And yeah. quite honestly, it literally almost broke me, right? In terms of like, you know, that same year, I switched brokerages, right? I went from a team wow. to myself, took so on much work. an assistant, like 
you know, right before I made the transition. And that was a big transition anyways. But if I remember correctly, it was the year before I actually got the assistant. That's when we moved to 20, right? And then I transitioned out. But I was paying somebody like maybe for 20 hours a week. You know what I mean? Okay. And they were doing like transaction coordination. I don't want to call it filing, but like helping me out with my databases and just kind of like some of the marketing stuff that I would like, just simple stuff. I mean, there was nothing complicated about my business at that time, you know? And so it just took a lot off of me. I don't remember. I think it was like 18 bucks an hour, something like that. Again, this is like 2012 or 13, right? So times, you know, definitely have changed, but, you know, fast forward to where we're at today and each step I believe has been able to be achieved by being able to delegate the work that, you know, again, I love marketing. I love making videos and I, but all the extra design work and it takes a lot of focus and it takes, it's a specialty, right? And so Mm -hmm. to focus really hard on marketing is definitely going to take your, you know, your eye off the ball and lead gen and vice versa. Right. And so that's always been my problem. And so, you know, just, I'm not trying to plug my team, but this is why I built a platform for my team members is because my goal is to help my team members grow their own business. So we put into place an operations manager that handles basically from escrow, you know, contract to closing, including TC stuff, but I mean, on a much higher level, right. Just communicating with the client, just like working for you and for the client, a marketing team behind us, right? And in coaching and all these things that basically we've removed all of those challenges in terms of like distracting them from doing what they do best, which is working with the client, right? And lead generation and getting clients through the transaction. That's all that I want our team members to focus on. And we've taken all the rest of really the most of the rest of the responsibility off of their shoulders so they can focus on that. And that mm. right there help will definitely help people then just double their business from 10 to 20. And that's what we're trying to create. Because again, when you take your eye off the ball of the lead generation, that's when you have the roller coaster. So we're trying to eliminate that. Now, the second question that you asked was what? I forgot. (laughs) It's, you know, what bad recommendations do you hear given to other real estate professionals slash what advice should they ignore if they want to really grow their business? You know, the one thing that I would say ignoring is anything that really takes their focus off of what they're doing, right? Because there's always a new shiny penny. There's a this, there's a that. And I've always been like, oh, squirrel, you know what I mean? uh, Let's run over here. Like, I mean, even my coach, when I, two years ago, three years ago, I was like, coach, I've got the answer to the change in our marketplace. I'm going to do something specialty. I'm going to sell houses in Mexico. He's like, what are you doing, dude? You know? And I mean, for me, there's a reason why I did that, but he thought it was a distraction, right? It's turned out to be a very good move in a lot of different ways. Not that I'll explain that now, but the point being is that there's a lot of other things that took my attention away. Like, oh, I'll try this marketing system and I'll try that, whatever the case. Right. Although through trial and error have come to some really great solutions right now. But the point being is that there's a lot of stuff that can derail an agent or a person from the focus of their goal. I feel like people really, if they set a goal, they have the right mindset and they literally just focus on it and just do the daily activities that they need to do, solving problems along the way to help make their business more efficient. But take one year, and eliminate all distractions and all the people being like, you need to do this and you need to do that, blah, blah, blah. If you have a Mm. coach, listen to your coach, but everybody else, like tune it out, stay focused and keep your eyes on the prize. And if you give it one solid year, two solid years of focus, 
you'll be amazingly surprised at what you can accomplish. Oh my gosh. Even 90 days. Yeah, so exactly. with that being said, it's really important to say no to things. Wouldn't, right. wouldn't you agree? I, so, so what's your process for evaluating what to say no to? Man, it's a great question as well. And I can't say I've been perfect at it, but you know, the last two years, uh, we had to really evaluate on what, you know, on saying no to certain things. Right. And it's really come. And I used to be like the yes, man, like, let's do this. Let's do that networking. Let's do join this group and anything I could possibly do. And it was running me into an early grave. I promise you. But the point is to your question, you have to have a goal written down and you have to have Mm. what your business plan in your goal And if that activity or whatever it is, even if it's a cocktail hour or, and and again, if you're in that year of focus and determined to really change your business, then you got to evaluate every single ounce of your time, right? Is that cocktail hour, you know, fall in line with my business for what, you know, or my goals for whatever reason? Uh, Is it getting me closer to or farther from my goals? Exactly. Right. Is joining this networking group going to help is doing this activity, doing this marketing system, investing in this, blah, blah, blah. Does it correlate with my core set of goals and the value that I've outlined for myself? If not, you've got to say no. And I mean, uh, I think it's Richard Bronson had a great podcast or video about saying no to all of these things. And I can't remember exactly what it was, but I watched a YouTube video of it like a few years back. And he talks about this exact same concept of like what he has to say no to, to be able to say yes to so many other opportunities. And it's funny because when you're saying no, you're like, damn, I really wanted to be able to take that investment or, you know, work on whatever. And then when you don't, all of a sudden something else comes up, right? Like you put your energy out into the world and it's like a test of what you really want. And then all of a sudden that opportunity comes up and you're like, yes, that's why I've been saving my time. Because if yeah. you're not doing the activity that's going to push you forward on your goal, you should be resting and relaxing and spending time with your family or just doing something that makes you feel recharged because mm. you need the energy, right? To deal with the things that we do on a day-to-day basis. And if you're that focused, you're probably working from like 6 a.m. to 7, 8 p.m. or later every single night. And so you need the time, you know? Wow. That's so true. And having that goal, that clarity is the first step to anything. I mean, goal setting, it's a science, but it's also, there's an art form to it and really just committing to the goal. I have my dream board right here. You know, it has photos printed out straight from the secret, right? Photos printed out of the life that I am designing every single day. And then through a coaching and consulting business course that I went through, I have what's called a morning formula every morning it's like 15 pages single space font of literally typed out the life that i'm designing it's a hybrid of where i'm at right now and where i'm going so it it almost trains my brain to like to accept it as truth because it talks about now but it also is painting the picture of the future as if it's already happened yeah and so it's really powerful to read that every morning set my intention and then when an opportunity comes up it's just like you said i do that same thing is this getting me closer to or farther from my goals? And because I just rinsed and repeated it that morning through my head, it's fresh. And I say, oh, that's getting me farther from thanks, but no thanks. Right. Yeah, so exactly. saying no is so key. Uh, I have taken up enough of your time, but I really appreciate you being on here. And I'm curious, how can listeners contact you if they want to get in touch with you either? I don't know, maybe to join the brokerage to uh, get in touch with you for a referral partner or to find sell a home, you know, what's the best way? 
Yeah. Thanks, man. I really appreciate that. And and I mean, just clarifying, we I work for Compass as the brokerage out of San Diego, the Del Mar office, uh, but we operate a team there as well. So we're, we're a small team of uh, skilled ninja fighters and just uh, trying to help everybody you know, find what Compass says, find their place in the world. But I love their tagline. The best way to get a hold of me uh, would be phone number. Texting is best or calling directly with 760-889-7701. Or you can always find me on uh, Facebook and Instagram, Gary Massa or at G Massa, the number two. I love it. Well, last question. I mean, is there anything that I should have asked you? Do you want to expand on anything from the interview so far? No, man. I mean, again, I didn't know the questions that you wanted to to ask. Right. I was impressed. I mean, there's a lot of questions that I thought were really, really great questions in, in terms of, you know, if I was a newer agent or somebody trying to, you know, make changes in my business, that this would be really great information. I mean, not patting myself on the back. I'm just saying, I mean, those are good questions to ask anybody. And I think it's good information, eliciting questions. So thank you. Well, thank you. I thought very critically what questions I would ask because being a past sales representative, the person asking questions is in control of the conversation, right? And right. the quality of the of the quality of your questions is a direct correlation to the quality of your life. That's right. right. So, so it. if questions are huge, and uh, I appreciate you noticing that, and uh, of course, the goal is to add value to all the listeners. So, all the listeners out there, Gary Massa, thank you so much for being here, and you know, obviously, reach out to him if you need anything. You know where to find me. Thanks. Thanks, brother. I'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. If you want to accomplish your real estate goals, then I highly suggest downloading my free Ultimate Real Estate Goal Setting Framework. The link is in the description of the show, and it will help you break down your annual income goal into the amount of phone calls, appointments, or open houses you need in order to achieve that goal. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.